Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive in June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Fiction, science fiction, horror, fantasy, crime, LGBT, thriller. You have now entered the house of mystery with your hosts, Eric Shapiro. Welcome back into the House of Mystery. I'm Al Warren. Mr. David Baseball Smartino. <laughs> I'm still baseball, huh? Yeah, yeah. It's, I'm, I'm working <laughs> on the ratings. It's just, next week you'll be someone different. Okay. Baseball okay. is very, very good. Okay. I'm in spring training. Spring Almost. training, that's right. You know, yeah. So we can, we can trend. We can put yeah. hashtag baseball. Hashtag baseball, hashtag spring training. Yeah. Hashtag okay. spring break. Hashtag Illuminati. Yeah, that too. <laughs> yeah, just, that, that'll get us a lot of listens. Yeah, uh, they'll be, but they'll be mad later when they find out. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe our guest is part of the Illuminati. You never know. Could be. Right? I've heard stories. <laughs> so now, um, now our guest has a new book out called Every Missing Girl. It's a Kendall Beck thriller, and it's book two. So our guest is Leanne Kale Sparks. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. And if I were part of the Illuminati, I could not tell you. So Right. <laughs> well, I mean, well, let's see. What did you, so did you watch the Super Bowl? No, I did not. Sorry, no. I don't like the NFL. Well, yeah, but I thought, because I hear that, you know, the halftime show, uh, Rihanna gave the uh, Illuminati signal. <laughs> That's the rumor, right? Oh. So I, I'm thinking. Ah. See, I'm always out of the loop. <laughs> 
what, what are you doing? See, you, 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 got to, you got to get into this, right? Let me get the email. Yeah. Well, obviously, you're on the low-ranking Illuminati. Well, yeah. of course. That's you're just a like, known. That's just a known. You're not Rihanna or Beyonce who's up high. Come on, let's yeah, gotta do something to get up there. So. Can't carry a tune. That's probably why. Just fake it. Come on. There's, there's right. auto tune these days. Auto tune. Yeah. You don't need to. Yeah, well, nobody wants to see me in any of those outfits. I can tell you that. So, well, I hear Millie Vanilli are looking for work. Right. There you go. So you get them out there dancing <laughs> with the shoes, and then you put someone else's voice. And, and I think there's only one left. There's only one. Oh, see, there's a slot. There's a slot open. I don't know which one it is, though. I can't well, that's all you need. You see, you could you could be Millie or Vanilli. I Millie, could, I could, yeah. they could pick it. That's what you can imagine. Well, so here we go. You've decided to write another book. So you've got this. This Kendall Beck is your uh, is your main character. Obviously, I, I always try to figure this out. Is it is it the story itself, or is it actually a crime that you just throw him into? You know what I mean? Like, what's the center of this of it? Yeah, on this one. So the first book was mainly about um, her best friend missing so it wasn't really about the fbi side of things so much there was a little bit of her investigating but the main theme was her her best friend being kidnapped so in this book i kind of wanted to highlight more of what kendall does in the uh in the fbi and the crimes against children unit um and i also wanted to bring her unofficial sidekick adam taylor who's a denver police detective uh, a little bit more to the forefront so it's his niece who is kidnapped or is missing. We don't know if she's kidnapped or run away. So she's just missing. So Kendall, it kind of highlights what Kendall does. Uh, she's put into a little bit of a precarious situation because she knows Adam. She's become close to his family. And so she knows the niece, Frankie. So it's, it's kind of a hard line where she's trying to remain professional and do her job the best she can. But also, you know, she knows this person. So she, that's pulling at her heartstrings a bit. And she's also trying to keep Adam in check, too, so he's not going off the deep end. He, he has his own stuff he has to do because, obviously, he's not officially he's not allowed to investigate this crime. So I thought it was a really good way in book two to kind of highlight Pendle and also let everybody get to know Adam and his family a little bit more. So it worked out well. So you expanded more on Adam's character in this book for sure. No, it's really actually more Kendall. Um, well, it's about 50-50. So Adam is more, it's just, you get to know his personality more, whereas maybe you didn't so much in the first book. And I think that's true for both characters. I think, you, you know, as you go on in the series, you get to know the characters better. But um, it, it is still mainly Kendall and how she's reacting to all of this, her investigation. There's another dual investigation going on because the beginning of the book opens where um, there's a double homicide at a convenience store that Adam is investigating, and there's a, a girl that is there that is the, one of the, the guys that died has brought this little girl there, and she happens to be a girl who's been missing for a few months. So Kendall and Adam are working together on that case, and then... Uh, Frankie goes missing, and so she's kind of trying to keep track of both of these, trying to keep Adam in check a little bit. Um, he wants to, of course, be involved in the investigation with his niece, but he can't really be officially involved, so he's doing it a little bit. But he still has to do his job as a detective. So I, I definitely like to 
show where, you know, a lot of times in books you get these um, characters who it's one main investigation and that's all they do. And so I kind of like to show that there's other stuff that has to go on. You still have other things going on, but I also like to weave them together and, and, uh, and, and kind of see where they intersect. Yeah. Well, and it's realistic that way because, you know, it's not too often that a, I guess a cop would just be on one case or FBI or anything like that. How, how much do you do uh, to research to make it realistic? Like, do you go hang out at the uh, cop shop and, and try to find out information, <laughs> or do you, do you get arrested by on purpose or something and go undercover? I tried that, but it's weird because, you know, they, they don't give you any, any more information when you're arrested than if you just go and ask. So that was kind of a bust, and now I have a felony conviction. So, you know, it says it over. <laughs> Not really. Um, but I was lucky enough early in writing to um, have a contact in the FBI who put me in contact with people that worked in this specific unit, the Crimes Against Children Unit. So I did learn a lot from them about how they approach things. Um, I got to learn about how difficult it is for them, um, which was most, which was probably the best information I could have got. Yeah, I, I, I like having the, you know, uh, background of how the FBI does certain things, um, you know, what their procedures are, all of the stories that go along with, with how they find these people, these traffickers and things like that. But it's really how it affects the characters or, or affects them personally that I want to be, be able to bring into my characters because I think that's half of it. I mean, it's a, it's a really hard position to be in day after day after day, just seeing these young girls and boys and just being trafficked and the things that they have to do. And it's just really the, the worst of society is happened. And, and these things are happening to children. So I think it's like a double wham. You know, it's bad enough to have to see things that law enforcement have to see on a daily basis. But when you see it every day and it's children, I think it takes an especially hard toll on someone. So I, I like to be able to do that. So yeah, I, I, I had early research into this and now it's just, um, I do have some contacts at um, in the police departments in Colorado, so that helps a lot. Um, I'm from Colorado, so that helps a lot. <laughs> but, yeah, so the research is, you know, that's the fun part for me. I also have a lot of author friends that, you know, write the same stuff, so we bounce things around in, in our little groups. And then, um, of course, Writers Police Academy is always a, a fabulous time to go and learn about law enforcement and things like that. I'm wondering how much uh, literary license you take w when it comes to uh, taking all this research in and keeping things close to what the FBI and other forms of law enforcement do in, in situations like these, or are, are, you, are, are you able to keep it kind of close to the, the, the way uh, the procedures are done uh, to, you know, to, to keep up the uh, suspense within, within a novel? Yeah, I, I, it's it's a difficult thing because you, you want to be as true to what happens as possible. But, you know, as I said, sometimes in law enforcement, especially in um, in law <laughs> and practicing law, going to court and things, there's stuff about that happens that's just boring. And so it, it's a fine line to walk to be to want to be as, as close to reality as possible but you don't want to be boring. And then there's also the times where you 
know that, yeah, this isn't right, but I've got to fudge it for the story's sake. Um, and, and you will inevitably get called out on it, but, you know, sometimes you can't. a book is still an escape from reality. You know, if, if I'm writing it real life, then it's not, I, I'm not writing a memoir, so I don't know exactly, you know, how this stuff works and stuff. So I'm writing fiction, and people that read it are trying to escape from reality um, for whatever reason. And so they don't want to read boring stuff, you know, so you have to kind of weigh out what's, what you can make as close to reality as possible and the, where you need to just kind of fudge it a little bit. And um, sometimes you even have to, if, you, if I write something and I send it off to one of my law enforcement buddies and they go, I say, is this correct? And they go, well, you kind of just make it up as you go, you know, and, and they kind of give me little indications of, I can't tell you that. And so, <laughs> you know, go, go with your gut kind of thing. And so, um, there's that too. So, so you know that, you know, that, that kind of can touch on some, some areas. Yeah. I think it's a, it's a fine line that we all kind of tread on what we want to go. And I don't like to go into, I know that I, I write books about, horrible things happening to children, but there's a line to be crossed that I will never cross. And that was, that's any type of description of anything happening to a child, not ever going to happen. It's just that that's a bridge too far for me. And, um, I just, I, I couldn't do that. So that's some of the stuff, part of reality of that situation that I, I never will, will write about. Right. Well, you don't need to go that far in a sense. Um, especially if you're, I, I, it sounds to me like you're focusing on the characters, the people that are involved in, in solving and, and helping out in these crimes, and you're kind of showing them as real people, and I think that's the magic touch because a lot of police books in this category will miss out on showing them as just people and making mistakes and being human. They show them as all Superman, you know, they're all... Yeah. So, you know, they're all Bruce Willis and uh, tough and can do it. Exactly, exactly. And I think that, that what I like about my characters is, yeah, Kendall is, is a total badass, and that's really fun to write. But she's also a hothead, which gets her in trouble in her job as an FBI agent sometimes. And she has her own flaws, and all of the characters have their own flaws. And so I think that that's also based in reality because you always, whenever you have people working together and things like that, everybody comes with their own personalities and their own flaws and everybody just kind of has to figure out how to work within everybody else's, you know, idiosyncrasies and, you know, work, be able to work together. Um, I do have a lot of sarcasm and what may be considered off-color jokes, like inappropriate outside of law enforcement, but I believe that that's truly how they act, <laughs> you know, that especially in the situation where there's lots of horrible things that they see. And so sometimes the way they release um, stress and, and what they've been under is, uh, you know, just to be a bit sarcastic, be a bit things that they wouldn't say maybe out in the general public when they're trying to be professional. So I like to make sure that that's all added into, because I think that also shows the characters and um, what they're going through. Yeah, that's why I'm the way I am. Yellow <laughs> humor. You're you're off color. You 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 don't do that stuff out in public. I didn't know. <laughs> you, no, you she knows you too well. well. I'm, I'm 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 no way. I'm so polite. 
old-fashioned, <laughs> and none of that bad stuff comes out of this book, I'll tell you. Yeah. All good, good values here. For me, um, I'm thinking that you like writing uh, the special agent, Kendall, and I, I have to wonder what it is that you get out of writing that character. Like how is it? How does this work for you? Is this? A, do you do you sort of um, have? I guess it sounds like you have fun putting yourself in that place and doing a lot of the things that she does because you don't do that in your life. So it's kind of a way of experimenting in a sort of you know in in job, jobs and areas that you wouldn't do normally. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that uh, all writers kind of live vicariously through their um, their characters on some level and. You know, Kendall is just a fun person to to write because of her own personality, and uh, you know, she's she's had you know her her fiance died um, years before, and so she's pretty much set that she's not going to get married and have relationships. She's uh, you know like uh, romantic relationships. Uh, she works with children, um, so she doesn't want to have any children. So that's totally, completely opposite of me. I'm married and I have, you know, four kids and, and a husband. And, and so that it, that's kind of fun to kind of live life vicariously through her. Um, so, yeah, she's a lot of fun. Plus, you know, it's just, it's great fun to, to see what situations you can put her in and figure out what she's going to do. So that, that's always, that's always a fun, uh, fun challenge to see how she's going to react. And, you know, it's, it, it's a great thing when you're writing and then all of a sudden something clicks and you're like, Oh, that's interesting. Let's see if we can go, let's see if we can investigate that avenue a little bit and see if we can get her into a little bit of a precarious situation this way and how she gets herself out. So what's, what's your experience with your character with all of them? But, um, Kendall, of course, being your, one of your main characters here, uh, do, how do you, how do you experience her? I, I kind of visualize her a lot. Um, and, and, Really just, she just kind of, I don't know that she actually talks to me. There's just like, like a feeling that I get when I write her of how, how would she feel about this? And so I know that I've hit on it when it starts all, you know, just coming out faster than I can write it. So I think that that's kind of the, the, the relationship I have with her is that there's this kind of when I, when I know it's clicking and when I know it's going in the right direction, then that's kind of our our way of communicating. This is her personality. This is how she would handle things and and things like that. So I think, and I hope that that's what comes out is that you know this is a real authentic type person, a character that and I just love writing. I think I saw a movie like that once where the you know the woman kept waking up in strange rooms, <laughs> not knowing how she got there, and and that would be creepy. <laughs> <laughs> That hasn't happened to me yet, so <laughs> Kendall hasn't hasn't put me anywhere weird, so that's good. Well, this this Kendall, um, you, you know, when, when you kind of have this feeling about her, and when you're writing and you're, you're creating the story, does she ever surprise you? Does she kind of, I guess, go off the rails and, and take the plot with her, or um, do you, do you feel more in control of, of that situation? Um, I think if I'm going off the rails, it's mostly me going off the rails and maybe the, her. It, that's when the whole not really clicking and me trying to force it somewhere. I, that's where I think where her character comes back and is like, yeah, no, we're not doing that. Um, I do love getting her into a lot of scraps. Um, I think that the 
there's a huge twist at the end that I it did did hit me as I was writing it, and I was like, whoa, that's not the way I thought this was going to end. And um, I, I'm a plotter, so I know kind of where I'm going, and that helps me. Even even though I kind of let the characters take me where they want to go, but if I get into a point where I've, I've written myself into a corner or I'm, I'm stuck and I don't know where to go from here, I can always go back to my outline and kind of figure things out and back myself out and maybe go a different direction. Um, so that's a lot of, that, that's a lot of fun to do. Um, but like I said, the, the, when, as I wrote the, the ending of this book, I was just like, Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I can do this. And I don't know if this is allowed. Am I allowed to do this? And my editor was like, Ooh, I don't know. And she's like, but okay, we're going to see how this goes. Cause it's a big, big twist at the end. So, and, and it took me completely by surprise. And so I kind of, in my own way, I, I feel like, you know, Kendall's over on the sidelines, you know, cheering and yay, she did it. <laughs> so it was, it, it was, it was a lot of fun. Like I said, when, once the, once you hit something and, and you know, it's going to be good, you're like, Ooh, that's great. <laughs> I like that. Do you, do so. you drink lots? I do. I do drink a lot. Um, I, I'm very much into day drinking. That's why, you know, I think God made mimosas oh. and, um, and, and things like that. So yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm totally on board with that. I guess it's kind of thought there's something a little bit, you know, <laughs> a little slurring. I'd like to say, I, I like to say that's what it was, but it's really, I, I was weird as a child, so. Yeah, what that? Take your warning. Well, so what, what goes on when, when, when you're a writer that you're writing kind of, um, this is kind of dark material. I mean, there's a sarcastic point to it, but it, it, it is kind of, you know, it's not the good things that happen in life, necessarily. Yeah. Right? Like a lot of the uh, cases are. Or, you know, they're, they're kind of the unfortunate things that humans do. Did you know as a kid, were you like writing this kind of story when you were young? Or were you, did it just come out of, the, out of nowhere? Like, where, where does this all kind of, how did this happen? Yeah, no, I, I wasn't in some closet, you know, serial killer that's just waiting to emerge. I did, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know that I actually wrote stories when I was young. It was mostly like stick figure drawings. I'd make up, you know, these uh, stories and that's how I would write some of it and then most of it was like you know drawings I can't draw so they're all basically stick figures and, and stuff I don't think that the I hate to say that it's a love of writing this but you know it is a, it's definitely a deep interest of mine I guess that mostly came after I graduated from law school and started working in law and I worked in criminal defense and so you know I got to know a lot of people in law enforcement I got to know a lot of people that were criminals um, and, and just, you know, that whole experience. So when I was started writing, um, it just kind of seemed natural to me to want to write about, about that kind of, of stuff that I saw, um, happening. But I think that it, it just keeps growing on itself. The more, you know, you write a book and, and it's like I said, this ending is a big, oh my God moment. So the next thing I write, I'm going to be thinking, well, I got to do something a little bit better than that. I got to do something bigger than that. And so, you know, delving into to the criminal mind um, is a scary thing to do. But in being in fiction, you can kind of make. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? 
and some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Stuff up. Like, you know, you can you can put people into, characters into situations and hope that that's not what really is happening in real life, but usually it is. But, um, yeah, so I don't I don't think it, it really came about writing this dark and, and serious stuff until I was much older and in a profession that, that dealt with it. So, so it's kind of, it kind of relates to some of your work and maybe, uh, in a way, it, 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 I guess because it's fiction, you can you can make things happen. You can, you know, more resolution, I guess, or resolving. Because you did you feel um, good about the justice system? And I don't mean that. Uh, I'm not trying to be um, negative, but I just mean, do you feel like it's a pretty good system and and sort of? I, I think it's the best system that you can have. Because you can't get justice 
for everyone. It's impossible. There's just no way to get justice for everyone. So justice is for the majority. And so you try and work within those. And I got a lot of uh, flack for being in criminal defense. And what I try to get people to understand is the state is the one that has to prove because it's a, it's a heavy thing when you're going to take somebody's liberty from them and their rights from them and put them into a prison. That's, that's big. That's, you know, and so they should be the ones that are responsible for proving that this uh, person did what they say they did. Uh, but they also have all the resources on their side. So criminal defense is not necessarily a defense attorney going, my client is, you know, did not do this. It, it's more of a, I, I'm representing this person so that he doesn't get railroaded by the justice system. So you have to have that because all the training and all the expertise and all the um, labs and investigation and, and things like that are on the, the state side or the government side of, of the prosecuting side of, of the case. And typically people, you know, you go into court, you don't know what's going on. It's, it's a, you know, you have to know. And so you have to have somebody there to be an advocate for you to make sure that things are running the right the way they are and to get your defense out. So there's my soapbox. You're like Perry Mason. <laughs> for criminal right? defense attorneys. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I did. I did. That's that was probably my first um I, I used to go to North Carolina and stay with my grandmother over summers and uh she would watch Perry Mason every day at noon and I would watch it with her and that's I think that was my my first love of, of law was right there. So it was kind of it was a no brainer that I'd go into criminal defense. Well, how was it going from you know the type of writing that you do in uh, criminal law, criminal defense, to creative writing? It, was that like a big transition? Oh yeah, legal writing is is um, I mean, <laughs> I people would say that that criminal defense attorneys uh, make a lot of stuff up and. And uh, um, so it's not that hard to <laughs> to do, and and they write the fantastical de- defenses and things. But yeah, it's a different kind of of writing. Um, you, you know, there's a lot of rules and procedures and stuff that you have to follow in, in legal writing. So it was very freeing to begin to write fiction because it's wide open. Um, so it it and and you get to manipulate both sides of the story. So that's that's not because I don't always think that the, the defense side is is the right side. I mean, I am typically pro defense. Um, I am very big advocate for the Innocence Project. I think that that is a great org- organization and they do excellent work. But I also can see on law enforcement side, you know, there, you have to have laws and you have to make people accountable for their actions. And I, I, I like being able to write from both sides. Yeah, we have to keep Dave in line. Yes. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> Troublemaker. Yeah. yeah. That's right. He's always <laughs> in the trouble. Uh, so who, where do you, where's your, where's your influences when you come to, let's say, detectives? And, and, and is there any real life, actually, real life, um, um, let's say, defense attorneys or prosecutors or people out there that you sort of admire? No. No. <laughs> well, I mean, I didn't know this. I mean, well, There's not anybody like, like, uh, I mean, I think that they all do really good work. I think that it's, it's a hard job on both sides, um, being in law enforcement and, you know, it's, it, it can sometimes be a thankless job and, um, 
you know, there's a tendency these days to think that law enforcement um, just wants to find somebody and make them guilty and not really investigate. And I think you have to be really careful about thinking that all law enforcement is like that. But does it happen? Yes. Um, so there's a balance between the two. But I really do. I, I, I admire both sides a lot. And that's why I like to write about it. I haven't really done so much in the legal defense side of it yet. But I imagine that'll, that'll come down the road somewhere. Um, so right now I'm just in, I'm, I'm intrigued with the law enforcement side, um, the investigating side of it right now so we'll see what happens in the future yeah i think all you can really do is uh show the human side of whoever's in law in law enforcement whether they're prosecution or defense because people got to realize that they're just humans so there's going to be good ones bad ones people that make mistakes people that don't there's all all that mixes in all of that um and people have to realize that and uh, rather than just lumping them all in right um yeah. Do, do, what do you think is portrayed really well? Do you think like the the legal system, like law enforcement? Do you think uh, you know? Because when I watch shows from the '60s, they made everybody. You know, it was black and white. It was good and bad, and you know, uh, Perry Mason was great yeah. all over. You know, like you know what I mean? Like they had they yeah. had these roles, and they and they they kept to them. Nowadays, do, do you think that um, you do you like watching? I don't know, any of the series like CSI or Detective Things or or um, Blue Bloods or any of that sort of stuff? Does, does any of that ring true to you and you kind of like the way they portray it? Or do you think that it's all just it's very misleading? I haven't really watched many um, shows. like. Well, I haven't, I haven't watched any like Blue Bloods. Uh, I haven't watched CSI in, in years. I, I like documentaries and, and things of that nature a lot. But... Um, yeah, I think, you know, it's like we said, there's good and bad. So it naturally, um, when you have a television series that is slanted one way, then it, they're going to make them look better. But I think it's it's getting better now, like you said, back in, you know, Perry Mason and even into the 70s and 80s, you know. You didn't really see that negative side of law enforcement in law enforcement when it was a pro-law enforcement type show. I think that they're being more realistic now in showing that there are bad apples and how um, this can come about. And uh, so I think it it does tend to get more realistic. Um, I really like, I have watched Bosch because that's amazing. So I I think that if you ever want to see somebody that's got, um, who is a hero, but also got some massive flaws, then You've got Bosch pretty well. I mean, I, I really do enjoy that series, even the new spinoff series. But, yeah, I think that, that they are getting more realistic. You know, there's always a fear that that in real life that, that there's things that happen within investigations and um, stuff that you hope would not, like uh, tunnel vision of, of investigators of making the um, evidence fit the, <laughs> fit the facts um, instead of, you know, following what the, where the evidence is leading them in an investigation. Um, do I think it's as prevalent as is brought out on some t- television shows? Probably not, but it's it's like anything, anything that looks like it's going to be something of public interest that is going to enrage people, especially in this day and age with social media. I think that they're going to hype that more. So uh, I think that it, it's in like 
when I write Kendall and when I write Crimes Against Children, yeah, that's a that's a horrible thing. But missing children typically is the ones that are are trafficked or um, kidnapped and and things like that probably still only make up between one and five percent of all missing children. The other ninety five percent are runaways or um, just there was they missed missing for a while and they come back, you know, things like that, family dynamics and stuff. So it, I think that it's important not to think that this is such a huge, it is a huge problem, but it's not like every missing child has been trafficked and, or, or, you know, things like that. I think that the media and definitely television shows and stuff, they tend to want to hype things up and make them look bigger than they maybe are. So, but it helps in, in my writing to make it that way. That's our job. Yeah. <laughs> That's our job to scare Nasty, you. nasty people. Yeah, terrible. Yeah, I know. <laughs> terrible, awful. Put us, put us down, all of us. Are you going to go into a different field ever? Do you think you'd write a different type of book, you know, like a comedy? or Do you think you're going, mm. ever going to try something, you had something different? The only thing that I've really actually been interested in is actually your side of the writing um, table. And that is... Um, maybe some true crime. Uh, there's, there's a subject that I'm very, uh, that, that's really grabbed me and, and I, and has held on, I've held on to it. And that is false, um, confessions, especially in minors. And I would love to write a book about that. So, but I haven't really sat down and ever worked through it, but there are a couple of cases that I think um, warrant a closer look at that than just, you know, where interrogation techniques, I think, can be very brutal and unfair. And um, I, I think there needs to be laws that and, and rules that are put into place to protect, especially minors that are being interrogated, but just anybody that's in interrogation. You shouldn't have to be interrogated for 12 to 18 hours because anybody at that point is going to confess because they just want to get out of there because you're in a, you're in a tiny little room, um, you know, and you, you're not allowed to leave. Well, sometimes, you're, but you know, it, it just, it's, it's intimidating. And at some point that your brain just says, well, maybe I did do this. And so if I just say I did this, then I can get out of here and then I'll just, then I'll fix it. And by then, you've confessed to something, and it's really hard to take that back. It's really difficult to, to walk that back. So I really think that there's some um, rules that should be in place to protect people from those types of interrogations. Yeah, yeah, I've touched off on it in a few few books, and I've had to deal with, um, and it is surprising how many false confessions there are, people that just confess, whether it's, you know their their own uh, men mental capacity, or whether they were scared into it, or tricked into it, or um, sometimes they just it just it just happens. I was it's surprising when you go through that, and and also some of the rules, you know, where minors can be interrogated without parents, and and uh, police can lie to them. That is a huge one that I hate. Um, is, is that they can lie yeah. about what they have because that's just not fair. And in fact, I, I really like the way the UK has handled it because they, they had so many false confessions because they, their system was much like the US system of interrogations, um, where there's basically no rules, but they 
implemented rules where you're not allowed to, to lie. You have 24 hours, but you have to, I think it's uh, two hours at a time that you can, can interrogate. Um, and then you have to have breaks and, and, and things like that. So it's, it's more, it's not such a pressure cooker of we're going to get you to confess to this because we know. Um, and, and they, their false confessions drop down to nearly zero. I mean, that's huge. And so why, why, I don't understand law enforcement who says, well, we need these because, you know, people lie and things like that. Well, there's other ways of getting a confession. And if you're going to get a, a false confession, then you're putting the wrong person away. And the person that actually did this is still out there. So um, it kind of defeats the purpose. So Yeah, it's, 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 it's a real interesting category. And, um, yeah. you know, like you said, the uh, Innocence Project and uh, – People, you know, there's groups out there, but yeah, there's. It's pretty. Um, it's a. It's a big deal, and uh, it would be nice if it got it better, is. but we'll see. You know, who knows? Yeah, well, you'll do it. You're gonna fix it. I'll do it. That's right. I'm gonna. I'm gonna fix You're it. Gonna that's my fix next. It. That's my next career. Damn it. Fix it. I'm fixing it. <laughs> damn it. Move over. I'm fixing yeah. it. Damn it. <laughs> no, it's it's an. But that's an interesting field, you know. And uh, I know Steve Mashad did a thing on that, and I've seen. Uh, a few things on, and I've talked to a lot of them when I did a, a version of the making the murderer case, you know, and mm-hmm. how that, oh, that's you know, but that's brutal. But you know, the sad thing is, so much of that was doctored in in the video, in the in the in that docu series that mm-hmm. it's it's you know it's it's it, they misled a lot of people. Oh really? Oh, it's terrible. And when conviction comes out this summer. Um, they they actually are going to show all of the. I mean, I have all the transcripts and I had all the. Uh, and you watch all the video that wasn't put on YouTube and all that stuff. Man, you're going to be shocked at what went on. And there was times too where they actually just clipped answers and put them in when they didn't have them. <gasps> so they actually lied. Oh wow! There were lies going on. So the conviction made movie made by Sean Reck. Uh, um, and and Chris Hansen, you know, uh, but it's um, it's going to shock a lot of people because uh, I mean I hope so. I'm I'm glad in a way uh, because uh, I wrote about that and I covered partial part of that, but they're they're mm-hmm. going to show the the whole thing to people because when you actually see it and and hear what really went on, you're going to be. I still believe totally in that um, minors. Uh, there should be someone assigned, period. Uh, if the mm-hmm. parent doesn't want to go in the room, then they put someone else in there from the court. Just that's what they do in the yep. U.K. now. And even, Can- and even Canada now, where now they're starting to stick in a, a guide to sit there so that there's someone else there in the room. And it makes mm-hmm. a big difference as compared to, you know, when they're a minor, and especially when they're slow. Yeah. You, know, you, you just need that, period. So that that is... Without, oh, I can't wait. Without question. But um, there's a lot of things about the case that they made up on the in the docu, docu-series, and it's really depressing. Um, I'm more depressed about it because of knowing that they did – because whenever you get someone that actually creates and fakes evidence and presents it, mm-hmm. you can't trust anything they do then. Yep. You know, it, it, to me, that yep. writes them off, yep. whatever their reason, whatever the purpose. But once you do that, how can you really trust anything that they, they say then at that point? 
So, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm yeah, hard it, line it is a on credibility that. Thing. Yeah, I'm hard line on yeah. that. I can't, I can't go back and go, well, we forgive you. And that. It's like, no, you, you did this and you did it on purpose. You went out of the way to do something that you shouldn't have done. Yeah. Well, and, and I think that it's important for them, like you said, to have somebody in the room with them because, and, and I, I never understand why law enforcement doesn't want to because so many times now, Things can get, confessions can be pulled because they didn't have somebody in the room. Um, even though, you know, it's permitted and stuff, you know, you start, any good defense attorney is going to, excuse me, argue that um, they didn't have somebody and, and they bullied him and things like that. So it really does protect law enforcement and the case as much as it, it protects the, the defendant. Um, and, and it also is a, a form of checks and balances, too. So, you know, you keep your law enforcement in check. And, and I don't think that necessarily they're bad people. I think that it's, it, you know, it's an adrenaline thing, and, you're, and you want to solve this, and you think you know where it's going. And so you just keep pushing and pushing and pushing, and um, eventually get what you want. But is it? Is it real? Is it true? Um, you know, that there's a lot to be considered there and so if you just do it right in the first place then then you know then then you know it's more of a <laughs> okay this is more of a certainty than than a big question mark well you're dealing with humans yeah. you know emotions feelings all that kind of interferes a lot you know that's yeah. why that's why dave should be doing <laughs> so not human he's not human and he has no feelings it's <laughs> yes. feelings right so what? Where to next? What's next? Are you got anything coming up next? Or are you going to take a break now for a while? Are you going to go out fishing or what? You know, there's stuff ruminating in my head. I'm not really sure. It's not. It's kind of all muddled and stuff. So I need to uh, to get my muse kind of um, in order and stop her running around crazy um, and see if what what I can come up with. But yeah, there's always stories uh, kicking around in there. Um, just got to get your. Yeah. I, I I love I love writing, so I can't imagine not writing. So yeah, there there's there's always stories coming down the. Just got to get your your know. liquor cabinet full stocked, and then. I do. Then you're ready That's what my husband's job is. <laughs> yeah. That's his job. So where cook? Where's my husband? <laughs> no. That's, well, so now uh, social media. Like, do you do you want people to find you on social media, and do you have website? Uh, give out your information and how people find Leanne? I am all over social media. I'm on Facebook. I am on Instagram and I'm on TikTok. I do have a website, www.leannekalesparks.com. And on there, you can find information about me. You can find my books and pick any outlet you want to, to buy them from. There's links there. Um, and you get to see a bunch of cute dog pics. So I put, I have all my dogs past and present and Grand dogs up there, so you know if nothing else, you can go and, and look at the dogs. <laughs> there you go. You, <laughs> you know, you get it all. You go to it's a one stop yeah. shop. This is just it. Yeah. You know, <laughs> but we have to warn people, of course, because this is like nail biting drama, as it's called. So you have to put a health warning. You're going to bite your nails off if you read this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> Well, I, I have, at the very least, you're going to probably need some tissues um, and and just be be ready for a, a big, big surprise at the end. Um, I, I think there's a lot of twists and turns 
throughout it, which is why I like to have a couple of things going on because I think that creates a lot more tension and then it's a lot more fun to weave those things together. And um, I think the the readers have a lot of fun trying to figure it out. And even if they figure it out or they don't, I think it's, it's, it's fun for them. So I hope, I hope it's, it's a fun ride for everybody. Oh, I'm sure it will be. People will love it. You know, uh, now the book we're talking about every missing girl. And it's a Kendall Beck thriller book two. The author's been our guest, Leanne Kale Sparks. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Leanne. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.